hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, and he's based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. And as always, we're grateful for the support from our sponsors at Owner's Box. Now, AJ, you and I have jumped around a little bit schedule-wise this week, and we anticipate a busy but happy Thanksgiving holiday uh, starting on Thursday for you. So we moved the show back to Tuesday, and we appreciate our listeners uh, hanging around for the ride and looking out for us every week. We're getting good uh, listenership and viewership, whatever people can pick us up. And uh, we're going to try and give them the same thing that we do every week, and that's good value in terms of the news and notes from around the league. And before we get into that, though, we always start off with something that's kind of topical, and it's a familiar refrain for me this week. We're seeing some fines for the slew foot activity around the league. Minnesota's Ryan Hartman and New Jersey's P.K. Subban getting nicked for $5,000. That's not really a deterrent for players earning multi-million dollar salaries. How about suspensions, I say, that add a game for each subsequent incident? So you, you get it the first time, you miss a game, and you pay, you lose your salary for that game. Am I onto something here, or are you happy with the current setup where they take a nickel out of your pocket and say we're all good? I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Like, I, I'm okay if there's certain infractions that they want to call uh, that, you know, they say are more deserving of a fine. Like, I'm okay with that. But, like, it's got to be impactful, right? You know, if um, if if I'm going to do something and the potential fine for it for me is, you know, five bucks, like, maybe it's worth it. You know, like parking, you know, if you park somewhere where you're not allowed to park, but you know the ticket's only going to be $5 if you do it. And it's more of a hassle if you go and park somewhere else. Like, you know, sometimes it's like, well, okay, if I, you know, if I get fined for this, whatever. So, um I think that's the bigger concern I have overall is just that there needs to be um, fines that are, are impactful if that's the route they want to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, suspensions obviously come with their own inherent fines. Guys don't get paid when they're suspended. So right. Right. Um, it kind of doubles down on that as well. So um, I do think there needs to be something maybe more of a deterrent. Um, but, you know, every time they issue these fines, you see, in the wording, you know, max allowed in the CBA. So obviously the players have negotiated these low fines. And I don't think the league is going to be that concerned about giving up like, oh, we want heftier fines. And then, of course, the the players association is going to want something in return. And that just doesn't seem like it's going to be a priority for the league. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen, um, but I, I do agree. Maybe some larger deterrent would be better. And AJ, north of the border, I didn't tell you about this before we went to air, but north of the border, we're hearing little whispers that the NHL and Gary Bettman are talking to people that run the arena in the Videotron Center in Quebec City. Once again, that's become uh, a topic here. Uh, do we get an eighth Canadian franchise? It'll have to be something that maybe a team in the States that's not drawing well is is potentially going to be the one that forfeits their franchise and sees it move to Canada. I'm not saying anything's guaranteed, but once again, the talk is there. And I think for me, leading the list of possibilities is Arizona still. They have not got a new arena contract beyond this season, I don't think. And the team is in quite a bit of disarray. Does that make any sense to you, that combination of factors? 
Yeah, I mean, I think they are the most common sense team there. And, you know, you look at kind of location, um, you'd have to consider who maybe goes, because obviously you're not going to put a Quebec City team in the West where uh, in the central of the West where they're located. So you'd have to consider, you know, maybe you move Detroit back to being a Western Conference team, which makes sense. They'd be in the same division with Minnesota, St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas, uh, Chicago. So those are kind of regionally nearby teams. And then you could put, um, you know, a Quebec, uh, Quebec city team in the Atlantic. Um, So there are ways to do it and make it work, but you look at the rest of the teams around the league, you know, I, I don't think there's any teams in the Metro you'd have to worry about. The Atlantic is obviously solid. Half of them are, you know, uh, most of them, it seems like our original six teams, in the West, you know, again, they just added Seattle. They just added Vegas. Those aren't going anywhere. So right. really, I don't know that there is another team other than Arizona. I mean, back in the day, you used to talk about Florida, but they've been a lot better lately. Yeah. Um, so they're they're certainly drawing more interest now that they're an improved team. Well, we're going to keep an eye on those stories. And uh, certainly, I'm sure that this issue is going to percolate for a while, as long as there is interest in talking to Quebec and as long as they haven't got it sorted out in Arizona. But uh, I have connections in Arizona as well, and they're saying that the team is – they're going to figure it out, and they're going to try and keep the team there. So it'll be interesting, the push and pull that goes on uh, on that topic, and we'll certainly keep a, a abreast of that uh, the rest of the season. But now it's time to swing into our weekly look at the 32 teams that are playing on a weekly basis. We can certainly add Ottawa to the mix because they finally get back on the ice last week. So I'll throw it over to you as we review – the sixth week in the NHL schedule. Yeah, we'll start with the Anaheim Ducks. And uh, on the injury front, a bit of good news, a bit of bad news. They did get uh, Ricard Raquel back uh, most recently, uh, last night actually, and he scored a goal in that game, first game back, five shots. So really a, a quality outing from him in that first game back. Unfortunately, during the game, they also picked up an injury to Adam Henrique, who was forced out. I have not seen any updates yet on his status moving forward. Um, so he, you know, is, is questionable at best for, for tomorrow at this point. So, you you know, gain one, you lose one there. Uh, and then the other big news there, obviously, Troy Terry's tremendous 16-game point streak comes to an end uh, in, in Nashville last night. Uh, I would expect him to get back rolling here pretty soon. You know, I, I just don't see how you could be – quite that hot and then suddenly go to, you know, having an extended slump. We've seen it happen before. I'm not saying it's impossible to happen, but I wouldn't expect him to be off the score sheet for more than, you know, maybe one or two more games and then he'll figure it back out. I would imagine. And then AJ in Arizona, aforementioned Arizona club, it's doing as well as they have in, in a couple of seasons. They're three Oh one one last week and Scott Wedgwood up from the American league, was in net for two of those wins and uh, in the three games allowed only seven goals against. So he's factoring into the goaltending mix and that's going to get a little crowded with Carter Hutton getting ready to come off the injured reserve. So it'll be interesting to see which twosome they go forward with, but Wedgwood certainly making his case last week. And then a couple of situations on the injury front have changed the makeup of the forward combinations. Andrew Ladd, poor guy, this guy, uh, he's getting a big contract. We'll not feel too sorry for him, but he's had trouble staying on the ice. And last week he got a couple of goals, but now he's in pro- COVID protocol. He's, so he's signed by him indefinitely. And uh, the shuffling that has ensued has made it 
look like they're taking any anybody who can take a face off now has a chance for a job here because if you look at the center ice position barrett hayton is an honest to goodness center but then travis boyd and J- ryan zingle these guys have been wingers most of their careers they're now in the center positions and zingle is uh, doing well offensively he's got a couple of points in the past week so maybe he will move up, move up into the top six i think that's where he should be but uh, right now lawson kraus is making some noise there on the left side behind Clayton Keller and finally looking worthy of the high draft position that he was accorded when he came into the league a few years ago. So there is some good news and some bad news. Of course, the obligatory Phil Kessel points reference, he got three points again last week. No matter which way this team is going, it seems like Phil the Thrill always finds a way to chime in. And yes, we are still paying $1.2 million for his deal. (laughs) AJ loves to mention that every time, so I'll beat you to the punch, pal. And of course... Jacob Chikrin has three points for this club on defense. I think he, he is underrated in terms of the impact that he has on this team's offense. And in a, in a more popular franchise, we'd be talking about him as one of the young up-and-comers among scoring defensemen in the league. In Boston, they've really avoided uh, too much in terms of, of injuries uh, so far this season. Looks like they might get Trent Frederick back. Uh, he practiced for the first time. Today, still wearing a, a non-contact jersey, but trending in the right direction. So that's certainly a good sign. Um, team continues to put itself in a position to, you know, be in the mix. Obviously, you know, the fact that they've only played 15 games, is it's hard to really gauge where they are in this Atlantic division. I mean, you're yes, technically they're in fifth right now behind Detroit by one point in the standings, but they've played five fewer games. So it's, you know, it's... I, it's hard to gauge, like I said, exactly where they are here. In terms of their last two games, like if you want to be picky, um, you could point to the fact that their leading scorer in those two games with Derek Forbert, like obviously he's not going to be the guy they're expecting to carry the load for them. Uh, and then I would also mention, you know, Taylor Hall uh, seems to have been a little streaky the last five games. He's got two points, but both of those came in one contest. And that was against Montreal, who, you know, we've talked about being a little bit of a walkover at this point. So uh, it's it's maybe I wouldn't go full red flag concern on it quite yet, but it's something to certainly monitor um, the fact that he is having kind of these uh, starts and stops to his scoring right now. And uh, we'll begin the mention of Buffalo by noting that we refer to them often in DFS play when we're looking for our starting goalies. It seems the team that faces the Sabres has a high win probability every time out, and that won't see, won't seem to change for the foreseeable future. This team is is looking for contributions uh, and wanting for more, but they have to be pleased with the fact that Rasmus Dahlin is starting to resemble the first overall pick that he was a few years ago. He picked up another five points last week and is becoming becoming a sensible, low-cost option for, again, a high-end producer among scoring defensemen. He's also joined in that regard by Colin Miller, a guy I've talked about for years as one of the better skill guys and skill competition guys uh, with the big slap shot. He skates like the wind but doesn't produce consistently. Last week was one of those positive weeks where he chipped in with three points himself. And uh, last season, we didn't mention Zemgis Gergensen's at all because he was out for the whole campaign. But this year, at least, he's back in the lineup and playing top six minutes and chipping in with offense. He got three points last week. 
a quiet low-end option that is uh, resonating a little bit of late. Dylan Cousins is getting some traction as well in his young career. This guy was a world-class player in junior hockey and uh, strutting his stuff in, in Buffalo. He's going to get tons of ice time going forward. Had three points last week. But the signature offensive piece right now is Tage Thompson, converted from wing to the center position and thriving in the middle. He's got three goals and one assist last week as well for the Sabres. For the Hurricanes, you know, you can talk about all the big names uh, producing at, at the levels that you would expect them to. Uh, Freddie Anderson had had two wins with five goals allowed. Sebastian Ajo, four points. Uh, D'Angelo, three. Tara Vinen, a, a trio of assists. But look, the player I think most uh, needs to be talked about right now is Seth Jarvis. Kind of two factors here. Um one is the kind of production in the terms of he's got four points in his last four games. Three of those are goals. None of them came with the man advantage, despite the fact that he is seeing some time with the second unit there. So uh, you got to love that five on five play, you know, points from a 19 year old. Absolutely love it. But I think the most important thing to note is that the game yesterday uh, in which he picked up an assist, it was his 10th game of the year, which uh, if you're not familiar with entry-level contracts, that essentially, uh, once you get to 10, it means that year counts and and you can't slide it um, down a year. So um, kind of a big deal that they're going to, that they were going to roll with him in the 10 games. I think it probably means we'll see him for most of the rest of the season. Now he could still spend some time in the minors if he hits a slump or, or something like that. Um, you know, I won't say he's going to be on the team for, you know, the rest of the year for sure, but he's definitely a player to watch. Um, even if he does spend some time in the minors there again, because they committed to those 10 games this year, I would imagine he plays again this year. He'll definitely be, um, you know, unless something drastic changes in his game, I, I would say he definitely should be a full-time guy next year for sure. So if he's available in kind of dynasty or keeper formats, I'm guessing probably not. Um, based on what he's been doing, but he's certainly worth a look. And you might even want to take him in your your redraft formats right now. Like I said, four points in the last four games seems to be really rolling uh, with the Hurricanes right now. And AJ, when we come to the Calgary Club, I'm going to reach around my my shoulder and pat myself on the back when I talk about their goaltender. Jacob Markstrom has five shutouts. The goals against average 1.71. He is the leader right now when it, when it talks. You talk about the quarter pole of the season being reached. And for my money, he is the top goalie in the game uh, at the moment with those fantastic numbers. And it's no wonder that the Flames are off to a, such a great start. Uh, offense is chipping in with contributions from all over the place, except for one. We'll get to him in a second. But uh, Andrew Mangiapane has had a long streak of scoring. You mentioned one other guy in Troy Terry, but Mangiapane's got quite the line, like, like a Cy Young line, like 15 goals and two assists so far. He got five goals last week. Johnny Gaudreau has been up there with him with seven points last week. And Elias Lindholm picked up four assists. And Matthew Tuchuk with five points as well. The one guy whose name is still missing from this group is Sean Monaghan. And he's still in in uh, the doghouse over in Calgary, apparently. He's got three assists in his last seven games. No goals to speak of, and his role has been diminished. He was down to 11 minutes of ice time in his last game, relegated to third-line duty with Dylan Dubé and Tyler Pitlick on the wing and missing out on playing with the top six guys uh, on their offense. On the back end, 
uh, Rasmus Anderson and Oliver Shillington have, have emerged as the two go-to scoring defenseman options if you're looking at DFS value. And these guys have been consistently productive so far this season. So at every aspect of this team, they're getting solid performance. And it's no performance, and it's no wonder they're among the big boys in the NHL at the quarter pole. Well, Paul, if you want to go, you know, do something else for a little bit here, you let me take on the Chicago Blackhawks first here which means I'm going to talk about Marc-Andre Fleury and the fact that he is on a four-game winning streak like right now, including his most recent outing, a 40-save shutout performance against Vancouver. Look, we've talked about Vancouver not being great, but any team that can put 40 shots up um, certainly is doing something right in that game. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it's uh, finally for them, finally it seems like the flower has found his game here. And I think that's – you know, bad news uh, for the rest of, of the central division there. Chicago sitting at the bottom with, with 14 points just above Arizona. Um, but really, you know, a couple wins, couple more wins here, and they'll be right in the mix. Uh, and, and if they were getting this level of goaltending, they don't need offense, really. Um, but they are getting it from a couple of guys to bring Cat three goals and one assist in their last three games. Kirby Doc with a trio of assists. So, this is a dangerous team right now and one that um, certainly uh, might change how you approach a DFS contest right now because they are just playing better. Even if you're not on them to be a playoff team at the end of the year, you can't deny that they're rolling right now. You know, our listeners can't see you today, but I, I haven't seen you smile like this all season long. The, the flowers back, the penguins are rolling. I can't wait to hear <laughs> what you have to say about the penguins club, but I'm really happy that my co-host is happy too. Of course, I'm feeling good because my Leafs are rolling along in every game except for when they face the Penguins. We'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. But for now, I'll keep it rolling with a a little bit of mention of Columbus, what's going on there. And it's interesting for me to note that the second line, I talked about them last week. Jacob Voracek is playing with two youngsters, Igor Chinnikov and Cole Sillinger. And I must have given them some bad luck because they went scoreless last week. But no matter, the third line chipped in with some offense with names that we talked about in the past uh, representing two-thirds of that line, Max Domi and Jack Roslavic, combining for about eight points between them last week. And they're partnered with young Gregory Hoffman, who's getting his first look around the league. So a bit of a new look on that third unit and trying to extend the depth of this roster by by spreading out the offense and putting Voracek on a second line and uh, the two other veterans on the third unit. On defense, Jake Bean chipped in with some offense. This guy was formerly in Carolina, but they didn't have room to keep him. And now he's getting a good run alongside Zach Wierenski. Both of these guys have enough offensive upside, and I'll be curious to see what Jake Bean's ceiling is. He did chip in last week, though, with three assists, and I wonder if that's just scratching the surface about what we might see from him down the road. But uh, Bjorkstrand, Domi... Gavrikov, they got three points each. Jenner and Roslovic picking up four apiece. So they're getting offense from all over the place in Columbus right now. In Colorado, it's just been goal city for them lately. We, we've talked about Colorado uh, often on DraftKings show just because, you know, we're talking about who's scoring goals and, and who's putting up numbers. And honestly, Colorado is ridiculous right now. You look, they're on a five-game winning streak, but the goal totals on this – Three of those games, they had seven goals. Another one of them, they had six. And, oh, by the way, uh, they're doing it without Nathan McKinnon right now, who's still out of action, um, you know, is skating in a, in a non-contact sweater. But they have won these games in dominating fashion. 
through, you know, over the last five without him. And right now let's, let's talk a little sports betting here. I mean, Colorado is easily hitting the overs. They're basically hitting the overs by themselves. So (laughs) if you want to bet the total, um, that seems like pretty much a lock right now, even the one game that they didn't, they didn't put up huge numbers themselves against Vancouver, the two clubs combined for six. I, I don't know what the total was set in, in in that game, but six to six and a half is usually about the highest you get. So I suppose there's a chance they missed it, but I'm guessing they probably hit it. And also you look at the puck line, which is where you can get some value on Colorado. Um, that means they have to win by a goal and a half. They've done that in every single one of these games uh, during this win streak. So, I mean, there's money to be had outside of just DFS. Of course, you know, in that case, you're going to want to look at guys like Kadri, who's gotten nine points in the last, you know, three games. Uh, Makar has seven. Just, uh, you know, just just ridiculous numbers uh, for these guys right now. And they're just unstoppable. It'll be interesting to see. Like, it almost makes you wonder, are they playing different? Are guys, you know, you know, shoot first mentality more without McKinnon in the lineup? Like, is there a possibility that these numbers drop off a little when they get McKinnon back only because guys want to try and defer to him, which I I totally get. He's one of the best players in the league. Why wouldn't you? But um, they need to figure out how to just seamlessly integrate him back and, and hopefully not have any sort of dip in production. And AJ, remember at the beginning of the season when we did our preseason previews, we talked about the three-headed monster in the Nets for Dallas. And when you consider Ben Bishop in the mix, a fourth veteran goalie, he's been out for the year, of course. But Reagan Holtby's been in out of the lineup of late. He's missed the last four games, and he's going to be out for two more. So in his absence, Anton Kudobin and Jake Ottinger have volleyed the roll back and forth. And last week, it was Ottinger who took the bigger load, and he responded with two goal, two wins, and a shutout in his three starts, so and only three goals again. So he's making a bid to grab onto that role with both hands, and why wouldn't you give it to him the way he's going right now? But it, also last week we talked about the fact that the uh, lineup was back to a familiar look on the top line with Sagan flanking, flanking, uh, flanked by Alexander Radilov, Jamie Ben who uh, have all been shifted around a little bit now. Ben has moved back into a center ice role, and all three of those guys have been split up, actually, AJ. And so now they got a very different look. Uh, the top line, they're putting Joe Pavelski back on the wing, too. He was playing a center position. So it looks like they put all the names in a hat and came up with these new combinations. So I'll go through them very quickly. With Jason Robertson on the left side, Rupe Hintz at center, and Pavelski on the right side of that top line. Michael Raffel, who was a fourth liner, at the start of the season is all the way up to second line with Ben and Gurianov, and then Tyler Sagan on a third line with Joel Kivaranta and Luke Glendening with Radilov being re- relegated to fourth line duty. He hasn't scored a goal in nine games played. That has a lot to do with his demotion. So uh, really behooves our listeners to find out who's playing with who. And the best way to do that is check out the Rotowire lineup chart that AJ and company work very hard on every day for you. Well, in Detroit, uh, we're getting a little bit of what we expected this year. Uh, they're on a four-game losing streak, uh, just getting one point with with an overtime loss to Arizona, which, I mean, honestly, uh, even Detroit shouldn't be losing to Arizona. Nobody should be losing to Arizona at this point. Let's, let's be perfectly honest. Um, you know, and it's – I'll take some of the blame uh, because I picked up Lucas Raymond in my – Season-long me, uh, so, you know, he, he does still have two points in the last three games, so he's doing okay, but uh, he slowed down a little bit, of course, because I picked him up. Dylan Larkin, really the only other producer 
in their last couple here, you know, for the most part, it's guys, one goal, one assist, uh, you know, Sam Gagne, one assist in the last two, Robbie Fabry, one. So you would expect uh, if they're going to do anything, they're going to need more out of out of the rest of their lineup here. And I'm just not sure that they're going to get it here. I, I expect we'll see slowly but surely as Boston plays those additional games, uh, they will catch up to Detroit and, and we'll see Detroit out of a, a, a playoff spot. And in Edmonton, it's all, you know, we talk about McDavid and, and Dreisaitl every week. Those guys chipped in with four, five and four points respectively. But the news is in net, AJ, when we talk about Stuart Skinner, he's kind of grabbed the goalie role ahead of Mika, Miko Koskinen and was in the nets for all three of their games last week, two wins and a loss, total of three goals against. So that's the big story there. You wonder if he's going to be a longer-term uh, figure in this mix or when uh, Mike Smith comes back he'll be relegated back to the minors but Smith won't be around for a while he's been put on long-term injury reserve so uh, Skinner will get a longer look here and would be well served to continue doing what he's doing and answering a problem for this club but uh, another change among the defense is the fact that they're without Darnell Nurse he'll be out for a few weeks with an injury. So they're missing a big piece there. And in his absence, they brought up Philip Broberg to take on second pairing minutes partner with Cody Cece, who you have a lot more nice things to say about than I do, quite frankly. <laughs> and I'm still surprised that he gets that many minutes there, but serviceable on defense and getting the odd point here and there. But in terms of DFS value, I think they lost their big gun, Darnell Nurse. And so you're, you're left wanting. Maybe you plug in Evan Bouchard, I suppose, if you spend and blow your brains out, he'll still come in as the cheapest, uh, most significant add-on in DFS play from this club going forward for a while. Another team dealing without, you know, kind of their signature player is the Florida Panthers, who don't have Alexander Barkov. Uh, they haven't had him in the last two. He's been labeled week to week. So that's a pretty big blow for them, but it hasn't stopped them from winning their last three games. Uh, they've racked up plenty of goals over that stretch, 15 uh, in those three outings. I think if there's one thing that, you know, maybe, again, I wouldn't quite call it a red flag here, but maybe something just to keep an eye on is the fact that Sergei Bobrovsky uh, did give up four goals in a game against Minnesota, but he still came away with the win thanks to that offense. And with that, despite that, Sergei Bobrovsky has still yet to lose a game in regulation this year, um, which is pretty impressive, you know, considering – what we saw out of him last year, but he's got seven or 11 appearances, rather eight wins uh, and two overtime losses. The goals against average is right now sitting at the best of his career at a one nine nine. So uh, while it might seem like Markstrom, you know, is, is running away potentially with, with the Vesna with all the shutouts and you look at the, the odds on the DraftKings Sportsbook right now, it's still Vasilevsky re- leading the way at plus 500. Uh, Shesterkin is plus 750. And then Bobrovsky and Markstrom round out the top four here. So there's there's uh, plenty of guys still in the mix. But uh, obviously the shutouts have been dominated by, by Markstrom at this point. Bobrovsky is yet to get one this year despite his strong play. And another guy who's coming up with some strong plays and the guy in Nets for Los Angeles. He's sharing the role with Cam Peterson. And Jonathan Quick has rewound the clock back, and he's playing very well when called upon, not getting the heavy workload that some of the other guys in the league are who are in the discussion for the starting goalie for the United States Olympic team. But you have to think that 
if Quick gets more of a run here and continues with these stats, might they reunite the old L.A. tandem of Jack Campbell and Jonathan Quick and then Connor Hellebuck rounding out the squad? I mean, they got a lot of choices there. There's the fellow in there, Anaheim, we talk about a lot too, uh, in John, John Gibson. So there's a wealth of options in the net, but Jonathan Quick is throwing his hat into that mix. And we can't not we can't forget about talking about the one-two punch. I love mentioning the fact that this team has built a defense-first uh, format around their club, and it's centered around the center position of Anze Kopitar and Philip Deneau. I challenge anybody to come up with a one-two punch that's better at uh, the defensive side of the game than that duo, and they're making life miserable for opposing centers. I saw it firsthand when they came to Toronto and dominated the Leafs in the middle of the ice, checked their top two guys to a standstill. And I can't understand that this is a coaching point that I have to make, AJ, why a team that's on home ice allows these two centers to get on against those the two best centers on the other teams. When you have home ice advantage as a lot, last change is yours. You can avoid some of this checking. But I saw the Leafs face these guys all night long, Tavares and Matthews, and the result was predictable in my opinion. So kudos to LA for building that defensive structure and allowing their youngsters like Iafalo and Kempe to grow into serviceable NHLers. Both of those guys are on the verge of career best seasons. Victor Harvidsson is back in the lineup, so their offense is suddenly looking more credible than it has in the past. And you throw in Andreas Afanasi, who's back in a top-six role, and they're a threat to play run-and-gun whenever you want to and trade chances with the quality of guys they have in the forward ranks now. Well, if I told you that Minnesota in their last two games was able to put four goals up against each of Florida and Tampa, you might assume that they won those games. But unfortunately, uh, both of those were losses, the one to the Lightning coming in overtime. So certainly not an offensive problem uh, in their last couple of games. You look at Kirill Kaprasov, seven points in his last three. Uh, Alex Goligoski, who's not a name you often uh, associate with the score sheet, at least I don't, six points in the last three. Uh, Joel Erickson-Eck, Zuccarello, both had four points as well. Um so really, you, you have to look at the, the goaltending here. Cam Talbot, 9.19 save percentage. Certainly, that's fine. Capo Kakinen, his one outing was not so great. Gave up four goals on 24 shots for an 8-3-3 save percentage. So they're going to need to get some better goaltending if they want to rack up wins here because right now the offense seems to be doing their job, uh, and it's uh, against some top goaltenders. I mean, it's not like they faced – um, some slouches here either. So, you know, they're, they're going to need better net mining from Cam Talbot, who was doing really well earlier in the year, but seems to have hit a bit of a slump. And uh, hitting a bit of a slump is what Nick Suzuki's done in Montreal. He's got no points in his last five games. Cole Caulfield hasn't been a factor offensively either since he was recalled from the AHL. So really not getting much of anything from two of their signature players offensively. And, you know, when people think about Tyler Toffoli, they think, oh, he was a capable scorer for the club last year, but he's regressed to what he normally is, and that's a 40-point man, and he's their first-line left wing. So that's the beginning of the story in Montreal. The rest, of course, is still hinging on whether we see Carey Price or not, and I'm starting to wonder if we will this season, AJ. There's just no good report on on his uh, return. It's not imminent by any means. There's no indication that he's even back on the ice. So, uh, and, and the fact of the matter is Jake Allen is back uh, in the fold. Lucky for them that they can call on his experience to man the net again and uh, save Samuel Montembeau for the odd assignment instead of 
thrusting the load on him. They give it to a veteran who uh, has handled the rigors and see how they fare there. But they they really challenged when you think their offense has been depleted and diminished. They're missing their signature guy in net, and their defense has been uh, wrapped with uh, the loss of Shea Weber, making Ben Sherratt, a defensive-minded defenseman, almost their signature piece on the back end because Jeff Petrie has been a shadow of his former self this season as well. So most of the news is not too good in Montreal at the moment still. In New Jersey, I want to talk a little bit about Nico Heischer, uh, who's kind of quietly having a a really good season. You know, he's one of these players that's – his numbers from his rookie year was really good. 20 goals, 32 assists, like a, a, a fantastic start, 47 the next year. And obviously the seasons have been shortened for the last two for him. There have been some injury concerns there, but the numbers have dropped off such that um, I feel like he's maybe not getting the credit for uh, you know what he's capable of doing and, and why he was the first overall pick. But you look at this season, if you want to get nitpicky, just one goal in his last 10 games, um, sure, you'd like better than that, but he has seven helpers over that stretch. And look, it's not like he's surrounded by a wealth of talent in in New Jersey. He's playing with Thomas Tatar and, and Pavel Zaka, but you know when it gets to the power play, and then you know Jack Hughes is still out of the lineup. He has begun skating with the team, but uh, we're not expecting him back until you know December for sure here. So. Um, I just think, you know, Nico Heischer just quietly having a really good uh, year and and certainly someone to continue to watch to see um, if he can kind of add that goal scoring down the stretch. Well, and goal scoring seems to be a real concern for Nashville if they're talking about players not named Michael Granlin, Ryan Johansson, and Matt Duchesne. Duchesne particularly has been on fire. I saw him get a hat trick in the third period in a losing cause against Montreal and he looked like a different player than I've seen in the last three or four years for them. He just seems to be free and easy on the ice and really showing off a high level of skill. And the same can be said for Johansson. So we've talked about their contracts as a bit of an albatross around this team for years, but at least now they're producing the offenses, just that the likes of Eli Tolvanen and Luke Kunin, for instance, they've combined as the top two left ringers on this club for a total of two goals this season. So that's nowhere near enough to keep this team significant for a long stretch of time. Phil Tomasino is getting a bit of a run on right wing on that time. Top line similarly having trouble finding that. So until they solve their offensive woes, we're going to be talking about the same guys uh, carrying the load and, and it's not enough. So uh, they got to search for answers and get more out of the guys that are uh, putting up donuts right now. For the Islanders, look, they had the the good news that the stadium's open and they were able to uh, enjoy that. And they're now able to play home games, which they hadn't been able to do for the start of the year. But I want to talk a little bit about the fact that, you know, when Ottawa was going through just a, a, a raft of guys ending up in the COVID protocols, that they suspended those three or they postponed those three games to kind of allow them to get some guys back to recover here. Um, and for some reason, the Islanders aren't being afforded that same uh, same courtesy here. Now, I don't know if some of it has to do with the travel for uh, Canadian teams and the, the rules between the two. But you've got seven guys on the Islanders who are currently in the COVID protocols. They added Zdeno Chara today. Um, so just another name. But I mean, you've got it's not like it's a bunch of scrubs either. You've got Josh Bailey, Anders Lee, uh you know, Brock Nelson is out with a lower body injury. That's that's a little different, obviously. But Adam Pellich, Andy Green, Chara, as I said, like they've got a number of guys 
really banged up. And you look at this blue line right now, uh, we're, we've got Robin Sallow with Noah Dobson, Sebastian Ajo, and not the one that plays in Carolina with Scott Mayfield, Grant Hutton, and, and either Paul Ledoux or Thomas Hickey. Like, this is a pretty thin group here. And I'm, I'm surprised that the league isn't doing anything to allow them to postpone games here either. It, it's a little strange to me. They've got about the same number of guys that are dealing with issues as, as Ottawa had. And, and yeah, I'm just surprised that they're not suspending these games. In New York, the Rangers went 2-1 and one last week, and Igor Shosturkin was in net for all three of those games, allowing a total of four goals against. That's great news for him. He's taking a bigger share of the net than I anticipated. Georgiev getting the scraps there, and you wonder how long Shosturkin can handle that heavy workload, but they have a quality insurance in their backup there. The interesting thing for me here is the way they've set up their forward lines. They've got a couple of dynamic duos on the top two lines, and they also they fill in with guys that really haven't factored into the offense too much this season. The surprising guy is Dryden Hunt getting a bit of a run on the right wing on the top line with Savannah, Jed, and Kreider. He picked up his first goal of the season uh, last week. But Capo Caco is the one uh, the main for, with a reason for optimism for this club. He's responding to a bit of a run in a top six role again and were, was involved in the three scoring plays last week, two goals and one assist for his record. So they, they hope that that run continues for the uh, former high draft pick here. And uh, even Ryan Strom is another guy that chipped in with some offense with three points alongside Kreider with two goals So the and Panarin with four assists. So the dynamic parts of that offense are, are factoring in and they're dragging along a couple of youngsters in the mix too. So a reason for optimism on Broadway. In Ottawa, they were back in action, as I said, after that, uh, those three games were postponed. The first came back, they get a hat trick from Zach Sanford. Kind of a unique, weird stat for him. He's got two career hat tricks uh, to his name, and both of them came in losses, which is kind of interesting that you would have a guy put up three goals and couldn't even pull off the win. I admittedly, uh, I don't know about you, Paul, but I tuned that game out when I saw Colorado was up 6 nothing. Yeah. So to, to wake up and find that it ended 7-5 was a bit of a surprise. But um, obviously a good thing for Ottawa that they found some offense. But really the key for them is that they're back playing. Um, they'll play some more games this week, and we'll have a better idea of kind of where they sit um, moving forward after that. And uh, before we go to break, we've got to talk about the Philadelphia Flyers. They went 1-1-1 one, one, and one last week, but uh, bad news from the infirmary, infirmary. Ryan Ellis will be lost to this club for four to six weeks with a lower body injury, and that leaves that the offensive controls of the power play in the hands of Ivan Provorov, but he's having a bit of a subpar season himself. So a couple of years ago, this team looked like it was set up defensively for the long term. They made some overhauls, and they added the likes of – Yandel and Ristolainen, they haven't really delivered the offense that I thought I thought they would. So uh, unless those guys ramp things up, the loss of uh, Ellis will be magnified even more. Uh, one note of optimism on the back end, though, is the play of Carter Hart. He's starting to find his groove, and the goals against average is at a very nice 2.25, and he's got a 5-3, and one-loss record. So numbers turning out positively for him this year. He's got a save percentage also that's the highest of his career at 93.2%. So while there's trouble on the defense, at least the goaltending looks to be solidified, and uh, they got it, suffered another blow on the injury front with Kevin Hayes moved to the sidelines with his own injury. So the offense uh, a little bit depleted there too. 
So, AJ, with that, let's take a break and we'll uh, come back. You're listening to RotoWire's signature hockey podcast, Puckcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back to you after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we're back, but we have to have another word from our main sponsors at Owner's Box. This is where I hand the reins over to you, AJ. Hey, friends. Are you looking for a new way to play fantasy sports? Owner's Box offers two game types, tournament, salary cap, and head-to-head live draft. All new players receive a $25 bonus when they deposit $10 or more on the platform. Be sure to check out Owner's Box's new Superflex salary cap game, a revolutionary new way to play fantasy football, that brings a strategic alternative to the traditional season-long formats in daily fantasy games. The Superflex salary cap format, available only on Owner's Box, removes the kicker and defensive position slots and focuses only on offensive players. 
Users will build their nine-player lineup while staying under the $50,000 salary cap. Large prize pools will be available throughout the season. The Superflex position gives the user the option to select an additional quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end. Ultimately, it makes the quarterback a premium position versus other fantasy formats. And don't worry, listeners, Owner's Box also has NHL contests, including GPP tournaments for their unique one-week fantasy format. Play the Owner's Box Salary Cap Contest for free. Use promo code DREW9, that's D-R-E-W-9, for a free $10 entry into the Sunday-only Salary Cap Contest. Well, AJ, you know what? Before I let you talk some more, I'm going to remind our listeners that we just hit the quarter pole in the season, and it's a time where I start to review my teams in a little more detail and wonder if I can upgrade them somewhere or somehow. And uh, we welcome uh, our listeners to ask those same questions of us, and we're happy to do so anytime you send a note our way. We do our best to respond quickly and give, our, give you our best advice, and we've been uh, – besieged with a number of questions at least I have in the last several weeks and I try to get the answers out timely and and I think uh, we have a grateful listenership AJ they sing our praises about this and I I just want more people to start taking advantage of it maybe you can remind our listeners how they get in touch with us absolutely we love interacting with all of you Um, again you know if you want to get crazy if you don't if you want to talk something other than hockey um, you know, I'm, I'm all about the soccer. I'll talk about soccer with you. Paul can talk, you know, baseball, football. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk whatever you want, but you know, absolutely hockey is, is both of our, you know, primary passion here. And so you can reach me on Twitter at AJ Schultz four. You can follow Paul, the Statsman at Statsman 22. And AJ, take us, take your time and talk to us about the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm going to go for a drive come into the country. I'll be back shortly. Sounds good, buddy. Uh, yeah, I mean, big, uh, big swing through Canada. Um, they basically uh, took out all the Canadian teams. You have to give most of the credit, in, in my opinion, to, to Tristan Jari. He had the back-to-back shutouts, uh, not to mention, you know, holding – uh, Winnipeg uh, last night to just one goal. Um, so three wins in the last week, a 9.88 save percentage, and, and really finding his game in a way that we haven't seen for a while, not not since the year he was, uh, you know, made the, the all-star game. So, yeah, that's really the, the primary driver there. Um, you know, Jake Gensel has been on a roll. He's on, I, I believe it's a five-game uh, goal streak right now. Uh, not surprising. Some of that has coincided with the return of Sidney Crosby, who's, you know, really still working his way back into form. You talk about the fact that the, the guy, you know, missed the start of the season to, for as he's recovering from that wrist injury. No training camp, which is unusual for Crosby. He does. He's almost always I, I can't think of another training camp that he missed, at least not since the concussion years. Um plays in one game and then has to go out uh, due to the COVID protocols. That's certainly not going to help keep his conditioning up. So while the on ice production might not be there as much as some people like, you know, one goal and, and one assist in those five games, look, you, you look at Gensel and you, you're seeing Crosby plays in five games and, oh, Gensel has a five-game goal streak. Like it's, it's pretty obvious his impact comes outside of that. You know, Brian Rust has four assists over that stretch. So there's another guy that's benefiting from having Crosby back. So, um, you know, those are probably the two biggest factors here. Um, But it's also a couple other guys playing 
in, you know, stepping up a little bit. Danton Heinen has two goals in, in their last three games. Uh, and I think he's making a case to potentially, you know, maybe he factors into a, a bigger role when Evgeny Malkin comes back. You know, maybe Zucker and Carter anchor the third line, and then you've got, you know, Malkin with uh, Kapanen and Heinen on, on the second. So uh, there's certainly uh, some intrigue there by what he's capable of doing. Brock McGinn is no Brandon Tanev. Uh, he just doesn't have the speed. Nobody does. But he's filled in in that role very well, playing alongside Teddy Bluger and, and Zach Aston Reese. So you're getting guys stepping up that, that you need. Um, but yeah, Crosby coming back and Tristan Jari playing at absolute peak are, are really the reason things seem to have turned around a little bit here. Well, AJ, I want to touch on the, what happened to me this past weekend watching hockey. I was disappointed on Saturday night, and I wound up being disappointed early on Monday morning. Let me explain that. Saturday night, your Penguins took my Leafs again for the second time this season, a very workmanlike shutout win on the road. I was very impressed with your club. They, they really checked the Leafs into the ice. And then on Sunday night, I'm looking at my Champions League hockey team thinking, oh, my, it looks like I'm going to win my week. It was a narrow lead, and I had one game to worry about, and it was Washington against Seattle. Seattle was starting uh, Philip Grubauer and the Nets, formerly the Washington starting goalie. And I thought, oh, poor guy's going to eat it tonight because they were on a four-game losing streak. And I wake up Monday morning realizing that Washington lost that game 5-2, to and I lost my Champions League week because of the strong effort by Grubauer turning aside 37 of 39 shots on goal. So I call it the first lost weekend of the season for me in the NHL. But that's the life of being a fan of, of hockey. You never know who's going to come up and win. Uh, from one night to the next, any team can beat any other. Uh, and Seattle did that to the Caps. And uh, on the week, they were led by Jared McCann and Yanni Gord, two guys that are certainly missed by their former teams and really emblematic of the type of player that Seattle has, a very hardworking team. They're going to challenge opponents night in and night out. Certainly they did come off that losing streak, but they were in all of those games and they're going to continue to be in games going forward. I'm just a little bit surprised though, that Chris Dreger not is not getting much of a run here in net AJ. I thought this guy was going to be a real factor in the goaltending only factoring in two decisions so far, both of them losses with a 478 goals against average. So if I'm surprised by one thing, it's, it's that here that, that he hasn't been more of a factor and Grubar's taken such a load when healthy in terms of the goaltending mix in Seattle. In San Jose, it's been primarily uh, James Reimer, and, and for good reason, his last two games, a 9-3-0 save percentage, 2.47 goals against average. And, you know, I think for myself heading into the season, I, I expected a little bit more share of uh, Aiden Hill and, and maybe potentially Aiden Hill challenging for the number one spot, but it's been, you know, about two, you know, two games to one, give or take. There've been a couple of stretches where they've flipped every other, um, but more or less it's been about two games to one in favor of James Reimer. And his, his numbers have been really solid. He's got 10 appearances this year, five, three, and one, and a 1.87 goals against average. Like when your goals against average is under two, I'm not putting a lot of blame for those three losses. Uh, at his at his feet here so you you know something to watch for and he probably flew under the radar in most leagues so like if you're in a pinch and need a goalie it's possible that James Reimer would be available um, 
just because, like I said, I, I think there was questions who would be the number one, what would the split share be? Um, so certainly worth, worth a look in, in terms of the rest of the roster right now, it's about, you know, about the same guys that, that you really expect Mario Friaro two assists in the last three games, Kevin LeBanc had a goal, uh, but missed a game due to suspension. Jonathan Dollins has a goal in the last two, but he's also dealing with an injury. So something to watch out for, um, you know, obviously concerns with Logan Couture, no points in three games, same with Eric Carlson. Um, so, you know, Brent Burns as well, no points in three games. So there, it's not all sunshine and roses there, but there's certainly a few reasons here for, for some optimism. And I think it starts in the nets. And that's where I'll start when I talk about St. Louis. The obligatory Jordan Bennington reference from me begins with the fact that he didn't play all the games last week. And I was surprised when Billy Huso looked very good in his start, a victory over San Jose, or one was the score, that they went right back to Bennington the next night. Usually when a uh, reliever, I'll call him, or a second stringer comes up with that kind of an effort, he's rewarded with another start. But that just speaks to the commitment that Berube and company, Coach Berube and company, have to their number one netminder. And he responded in his next outing with uh, – a victory after losing his first game back, I should say. He split two assignments, losing 4-1 to one, and then winning 5-2 to two to close out his week. But uh, in terms of the rest of the roster here, it was offensive contributions from Brandon Saad with four goals. Jordan Kairos had a very nice streak of scoring, added two more goals to his ledger. And then veterans, Perron, Schwartz, and Riley combined with for 14 points as well. So it's the older hands that are carrying the load. And on the back end, Justin Falk scored his 100th career goal. And it's nice to see that he's kind of picking up where he left off in Carolina. Last season was a bit of a lost year for him. Didn't really uh, play up to his standard that I remembered him from in his first stop in Carolina. And now he's looking more like that offensive weapon that St. Louis thought they had and making the sting of uh, Pietrangelo's departure a little bit less. For the Lightning, uh, some some concerning news here. Braden Point is out indefinitely, but considered week to week um, after getting uh, injured the other night in in New Jersey. So that's a big blow for them. I mean, prior to you know that game uh, against New Jersey, uh, obviously if he's dealing with an injury, you don't expect him to produce much. So ten points in nine games before that one including uh, four power play uh, tallies here. So that's a, that's a big loss um, for them moving forward. And, and they're going to need um, somebody to step up. It'll probably be Anthony Sorelli uh, to, to start. You could maybe see, you know, maybe they go veteran and, and slide a Corey Perry um, into that role. They, they do have some options, but certainly a concern there. And then the other thing you have to, you know, at least be a little, astounded by maybe not totally concerned but Andre Vasilevsky his last two games one and one a 3.43 save uh, goals against average so really I mean subpar and then Brian Elliott his one start over over the last week here is wasn't any better gave up four goals on 32 shots for for an 875 save percentage so for a team where it's like Oh yeah, the goaltending's fine. It's just a matter of you know getting the offensive pieces together. Uh, I would say that wasn't the case over the last week. They they had some struggles uh, on the back end, and something that they're going to want to figure out sooner rather than later. 
Well, the goaltending situation in Toronto is on the capable hands of Jack Campbell right now. And I talked about soccer goals against average for him last week. And his numbers got even lower, if you can imagine. He was in net for three results for Toronto. That He went 2-1 and one with one shutout and a total of three goals against. The season-long goals against average, 166. And he's at the top of the ladder for me in terms of the Vezina Trophy race with Jacob Marstrom at the moment right now. And uh, as long as they get that kind of capable goaltending, he's uh, he's going to look Vasilevsky in the eye and saying, you know what, you may have a slight advantage, but it's not the gigantic one that we might have envisioned at the beginning of the season. And I'll go out on a limb right now. What's today's date, AJ, the 23rd of November? Yep. Why not predict the Leafs are going to face the Lightning in the first round and they will beat the two-time Stanley Cup champions in the opening round of next year's playoffs. So mark this down and make me eat my words later in the season, but I think I'm going to be serving you and the rest of the <laughs> So with that, uh, also uh, note that uh, Mitch Marner looks like he's put his early season struggles back in the rear view. He responded with a three-goal week. Morgan Riley with three points. And uh, Kemp, David Kemp, a guy who's brought in to be the third-line checking center, responding with some offensive as well. He's become a really popular addition with the club. And uh, three points for a guy who's more of a defensive specialist, that's just money in the bank, bonus money. And uh, there's little whispers, are there, about Austin Matthews. He's only got seven goals through 20 games. That means like a barely a 30-goal pace on the season. I wonder how long it'll be before there's some real larger concerns being expressed. But as long as the club's winning like they are, it's been pretty quiet on that front in Toronto. When you want to talk about whispers, look no further than Vancouver, where everything is appears to be on the table there. Uh, the GM and coach are, you know, about to get fired uh, or, you know, I've even seen that that they're that they're secure for, you know, for now or whatever. Um, and then guys or at least their agents being asked about getting traded. I've, I've seen speculation about, you know, Brock Besser. He's going to be an RFA after this year. So. You would be. I'd be a little surprised to see that one. JT Miller's name has come up. He's uh, got one more year after this one, so it would be you know kind of that year plus rental, and I think would have some really good value on the market. I mean, at that point, you could also consider Bo, Bo Horvat. Same same boat. Um, so that's going to be kind of the speculation and, and everything that surrounds Vancouver right now, unless they can kind of turn it around and, and figure out their game because. Um, right, right now the, the, the on ice product is, is not ideal. Um, it's why you're seeing them, you know, towards the bottom of the, the Pacific here. Um, despite I would argue a really talented roster. I mean, on paper, you know, Patterson, Horvat, Miller, Besser, uh, you look on the back end, obviously Quinn Hughes, Oliver Ekman, Larson, like Thatcher Demko has put together good stretches as well. So on paper, this is a really good team, but they're just underperforming. And, and unfortunately for somebody, whether it's the front office or, or a, a player, um, so it looks like a shakeup is going to be needed here. And in Las Vegas, Las Vegas, the Knights just want to get healthy. That's just the long and short of it here. The, as there's some encouraging news that Max Pacioretty is along for the ride on that short two-game trip that they're taking this week, but it doesn't look very promising for him to get back in the lineup. Jonathan Marchessault went the other way, and he's now in COVID protocol, joining a lengthy list of players that includes uh, the likes of Willie Carlson, Jack Eichel, we know about, Nolan Patrick, 
And then on defense, Alec Martinez is there. So really a depleted lineup. And it's no wonder that Robin Leonard is kind of hold, holding the fort with the goals against hovering right around three. The numbers were expected to be much better for him. And you might be smiling like the butcher's dog because of the prediction you made at the beginning of the season. But I don't think you expected this rash of injuries contributing to the early season uh, struggles of the Golden Knights. Well, yeah, absolutely not. I, I wasn't necessarily banking on injuries to to make that happen, but uh, yeah, it does. Uh, it's early. There, I'm I'm not going to toot my own horn yet. Uh, it was a, a bold prediction to say they would miss the playoffs, but um, let's let's keep watching. Let's see what happens in Washington. Uh, it's been a, you know a continuing uh, issue of injuries. You know they've got kind of the long term ones that that we're aware of. Uh, Anthony Mantha out, uh, Nicholas Backstrom still out. Lars Heller has missed a significant chunk of time uh, after uh, coming down with COVID. He's missed the last four games. And then TJ Oshie uh, misses 10 games, comes back, plays in one game, and now has a similarly classified injury in that it's another lower body injury that saw him uh, out of the lineup on Sunday. Whether it's the same issue is not immediately clear, but certainly a concern there that he is back out after just one game back in. And then Connor Sherry uh, was a, a scratch on that Sunday game as well. So suddenly um, they're getting pretty thin at forward, uh, you know, to the point where they, they went with seven defensemen most recently, Dennis Cholowiski technically lining up as a, as a forward, you know, you look at this third line of, of Daniel Sprong, Alexi Protas and, and Brett Leeson, you know, Fourth liners, AHL guys at best if, if they're fully fit. So, um, yeah, things not looking great in, in terms of, you know, the injury front there. That didn't stop them from going 2-1-1 one, one last week, though, including uh, Ilya Samsonov really carrying the team with a pair of shutout performances. And in Winnipeg, they had a subpar week overall. 1-2-1 one, and one was the record. But when you look at the scoring where it came from, it's the Wiley Vets on this club that have carried this club for the longest time and one – Happy addition to the mix. Nikolai Euters had three goals. Kyle Connor with three points. Mark Shifley got off the mat. He's been struggling to find offense and stay healthy, and he responded with a three-point week of his own. But I want to highlight Pierre-Luc Dubois, AJ. Last year, he was moved over to Winnipeg in a, in a much ballyhooed deal with uh, in exchange for Patrick Laine, and really didn't find his footing. But it's the absence of uh, Shifley that really gave this guy some some opportunity to get top line minutes and big responsibility here. And he's responded with a fine season to date and looking like full value for, for uh, what they thought they were getting. He's got 10 goals already on the season. So that's quite a one, two punch with him and Shifley in the middle of the ice. And again, it looks like a very formidable top six. Andrew Kopp is another guy that benefited from some of the absences. Well, most attributable to Blake Wheeler, both Wheeler and Shifley back in the mix, but Kopp has parlayed his early season success in the top six role. And uh, so that looks like a pretty stacked uh, group there among the offensive pieces. And then on defense, we heard from our, uh, I'll call him our Vegas correspondent, <laughs> Daniel Negreanu, who talked glowingly about Nate, Nate Schmidt to me. And he said, this guy is a very underrated player. And he has emerged as a scoring option here from the back end. He's got 11 points 
to his credit this year. And he joins Neil Pionk and Josh Morrissey, a real luxury for this team. They have three credible offensive pieces on the back end. That was something that was not in place uh, a calendar year ago. So they're growing something pretty special in Winnipeg. And uh, this team will be formidable the rest of the season, I'm pretty sure. And a lot of that has to do with they have the fact they have a perennial candidate in, for the Vezina Trophy in the Nets, Connor Hellebuck. And I didn't even mention him until now. <laughs> So, AJ, that's our look around the league for the 32 teams and the changes in the roster structures that we report on on a uh, weekly basis. But now we turn our attention to the DFS portion of our show where we give our listeners our best advice for FanDuel and DraftKings plays on tonight's schedule. We talked about it beforehand. It's a limited scope of three games, and this is an opportunity where you have no choice but to stack lineups, and I'm curious to see where you went with your DraftKings picks. Well, I went big down the middle, um, and I, I just think you have to. Uh, Jake Ottinger, you know, you mentioned he's been playing well, but um, it's a tall task to have him shut down Edmonton's offense right now. So I paid up and was able to make it work to get both Connor McDavid at 9,600 and Leon Dreisaitl at 9,200 into my lineup at, at the top of the board here. And I, I just think that now it's – on a short slate, you got to take advantage of having these guys. I think you have to have one of them in, no doubt. Um, fitting both is, is certainly a challenge, um, but you got to have one. I'm going to try and roll with both. And that means I got to save a little bit of scratch the rest of the way. One of the ways to do that is to use uh, Alex Barry Boulay for uh, the, the Lightning. They're playing at home, and he is slotting in right now uh, to that top line spot with Steven Samkos and Andre Palat. They've obviously had to shuffle things around with, with Braden point out. And then obviously uh, Nikita Kucherov. So uh, he comes in at just 2,800 really uh, it's, you know, kind of a, a DFS or a GPP play rather, you know, you're banking on a low cost guy in a good spot and hoping he can produce something there. Paul, you've talked a lot about Andrew Mangiapane for, for Calgary and his recent run of form. He's still looking good playing alongside Mikael Backlund. Um, has five goals in his last three games. Red hot right now. Getting a ton of minutes on the power play. So I'm going to keep using him. His salary is just 4400 It's not outrageous. You know, I, I did mention Chicago's been playing better. Flurry is going to start tonight. So, again, that could just serve to maybe lower his ownership and what would be an otherwise kind of prime position uh, to, to utilize him. I'm also going to turn to uh, Pool Yarvi. Ah, I always mess that one up. Um, but Everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> um, for Edmonton, again, this is a similar position where, look, he's in a good spot. He's playing with Hyman and McDavid on that top line. He's getting some power play minutes. He's got just one point, uh, one assist in the last six games. You look at his FanDuel production, it hasn't, or DraftKings production, rather. It hasn't been terrible because he's been getting a lot of shots on net. Uh, three in, in three of the last four games and six in the other one. Uh, so opportunities are there, and you got to just hope uh, that, it, that it's going to come sooner rather than later. And at 4,800, it's a good spot to be in. Oliver Shillington, going back to Calgary, uh, starts my defensive group. He's 3,800. And, you know, again, tough matchup, I think, tonight. He hasn't scored in his last two games, so I think that's going to serve to lower 
his utilization here. But prior to that, a five-game point streak, uh, he has yet to, the, you know, knock on wood, hopefully I'm not jinxing myself here. But so far this season, he's never gone more than two games without a point. Um, so hopefully he'll get back going, at least for my sake tonight. I'm going to pair him up with Ryan McDonough just to go back and get an extra share of Tampa tonight. I like the matchup. And really, McDonough was the last position I filled here. 4,100 is what I had left on the board. He picked up an assist in their most recent game. He blocks a lot of shots. So there's a decent amount of floor for his game. Um, But again, you know, it was the last spot I filled and kind of the salary I had left over. Um, In my utility spot, I'm going to go again back to Calgary and go with Mikael Backlund at 3,400. A player, he's getting top six responsibilities. He's on um, the, the power play there. And really uh, a good spot. Now, he's not on the number one group, but he is the second group includes him and Andrew Mangiapane. So if they pair up on the second power play, um, that could really bode well for me. And then between the pipes, you know, I obviously am high in Edmonton uh, with the the shares I got on them. So I'm going to go with Stuart Skinner tonight. Um, I think it's a good opportunity to, to utilize him. You know, 7,600, he's not the most expensive on the board. Dallas um, has been middling at best for most of the season. He's got wins in his last two games. So there's a lot of things to like about him tonight. Okay, partner. Well, I just, while you were talking, I just went on FanDuel. I got my lineup set up, but I found this option to play a game called Beat the Score. The way this thing runs on FanDuel is that if you are one of the teams that gets over the score line that they should suggest. It's like an over-under kind of a concept. So total point line is set at 125 points. That means that if you score over that line, you get a share of the total pot that's assigned for prizes. So it could be five people winning. It could be 500. You share in that pot equally. So I might enter this team in that pot because I did a quick math too. You talked a lot. So I had enough time to do this number crunching. And I came up with the fact that my starting lineup is scheduled to get over 130 points in tonight's action. So I'm going to take a shot at that beat the score contest this evening on on uh, FanDuel and with this group. And I had some of the same names that you picked up. It's no surprise there's some overlap on such a small slate. So I'll go through it fairly quickly. I did pick Connor McDavid, uh, and, and he comes in at $10,100. The prices are not in sync with what you have on the DraftKings side, so a little bit more expensive there. So I couldn't put both guys in, and I paired him with Anthony Sorelli, the second-line center for Tampa. I think they're going to take uh, advantage of the fly- visiting Flyers tonight. So I'm on three teams tonight. Tam- Tampa, Edmonton, and Calgary will make up my lineup. McDavid, as I said, is my other center. I went with Bonjapani. How can you not? I mean, I know he's got a tough challenge against your favorite hockey player tonight in the Nets, but the way Manjapani's going, they might want to put both Chicago goalies in the Nets to see if they can stop him. <laughs> and Johnny Gaudreau has been a great running mate for him uh, on the power play. They split them up on, in terms of the two lines here, but I think on the power play, they're going to be dangerous tonight. So I put Gaudreau out there for $7,400. And then I uh, wind up my forward complement. I include Pugliarvi, as you suggested. Makes a lot of sense when he's running alongside McDavid. And if McDavid has one of those nights, you know, Pogliarvi's name's going to be on the score sheet as well. He comes in at only $5,400. And then in Tampa, I, I combine Sorelli and Killorn 
two-thirds of their scoring unit on the second line. He comes in at $5,500. That's a total of $9,900 for two-thirds of their second line. I think that's low and good value against the Flyers tonight. On defense, I come up with Ryan McDonough, who is primarily known as a defensive defenseman in Tampa, but he had been a primary scoring option when he was in New York, and I think he's shown signs of it periodically in his time in Tampa and tonight's going to be one of those nights too and I, he comes in at a very low $3,900 and I take the best scoring option from that Chicago Calgary defense that I highlighted early on in the show is Rasmus Anderson he's the quarterback of their power play which has been humming along this season and he's only $4,000 that's one of the best values on the entire board tonight and I, I can hear you typing you must be making notes on all this because uh Brick by brick, brick, we're going to build each other a new home with our, our wins that we continue to accumulate here, AJ. And, of course, the backbone of my team in the Nets is the guy that I've been touting since day one as the best goalie in the league this year, and that's Jacob Markstrom. So that rounds out my squad. And uh, with that, AJ, we've reached the end of another week in the season, and we're on the verge of Thanksgiving week uh, festivities for you. I want to wind up the show by finding out what you have planned. Yeah, we're um, gonna be, you know, a little bit uh, smaller uh, than than some other years. Just, you know, still, uh, you know, concerns about about COVID and, and whatnot. So a little bit smaller gathering with my in laws, um, but it'll be good opportunity for the kiddos to spend some time with their grandparents. Well, and I've had a chance to be down in the states around Thanksgiving week, and and it's really something to behold. It's a bigger deal than Christmas, it seems, in, in, in a lot of families. And uh, I had a lot of fun with my experience in that in that one time. And uh, uh, wish you well and your family. Uh, safe travels to all that are traveling this week and we hope you've enjoyed another episode of our podcast wraps up uh, set week seven thanks for listening to rotowire signature fantasy hockey pod we thank our sponsors at owner's box as well check them out you'll be glad you did in the meantime as always please remember to send your comments or questions on twitter follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 and you can follow aj at aj Scholes 24 as always, we invite you to listen in to the podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 